Hubhopper Originals. Hi all, Paro here. After a very, very, very long time, I've been in a kind of creative lockdown myself. But I'm so thrilled that 7th August, my birthday, is now Javelin Day to celebrate uh, Neera Chopra's gold medal in the Javelin. Years ago, I came across a small little uh, news item on the sports page which inspired me to write this story. They called her Fats. They called her Fats, although her name was Fatima. And she wasn't even fat, not in that nice, cute, pudgy way. In fact, there was nothing cute about her. No sugar and spice and everything nice that girls are supposedly made of. She was bad. Big, bold, capital letters, bad. She was a fighter and she'd been so ever since she came to the home as a four-year-old of, uh, as a four-year-old orphan. She'd been in another orphanage before that. She'd been left there at the doorstep, abandoned by the mother no one would ever know. That orphanage took in infants and now at the age of four, it was decided that she was old enough to go to a more grown-up uh, orphanage which had a school attached. She'd never been adopted by anyone the way other babies had. She hated the new home from her very first day there. She perceived a grayness that filled her with dismay. The forced cheerfulness of all the caretakers soon became a thorn in Fatima. And they themselves became wary of this sullen, brooding child, never knowing when she would snap back, which she did often. She wasn't much better with her peers either. The girls returned her sullenness with hostility. In fact, they sniggered behind her back and kept their eyes averted when, they, when she passed. Fatima concluded it was that they feared her obvious unhappiness, as though it was a disease they were afraid to catch. They wore their happiness like badges. Fatima wore her grief like armor. There was no one who cared to find the chinks in that formidable armor to reach the inner depths that lurked in this unhappy child. And the boys, the boys, they laughed at her openly. It was the boys, in fact, who coined the nickname Fats. They referred to it like a mafia under, underling, like bugs or lefty. They spread malicious stories about her, which were mean and untrue. How she communed with spirits of darkness in the middle of the night, of her witchery, of her drinking blood and eating cockroaches off the floor. Stories that made the girls squeal with appealing girlish charm and cling to the boys' arms in prettily feigned terror. It made Fatima sick to her stomach. But she also did everything she could to fuel those stories. She dangled cockroaches by their writhing legs 
and threw them at the screaming girls. She left her dormitory late at night in spite of repeated warnings that no one was to leave their dorm after dark. What she did outside on the dew-damp lawns of the sports field was nothing more bloodthirsty than walk barefoot on wet grass and rest her head on the cool, moss-covered stone walls. She loved her solitude and guarded it like her most precious treasure. Some nights she would slip ghost-like onto the games field and jog around the track, bursting now and then into a spirited sprint. She loved the feel of the wind as it whipped past her ears and stung her cheeks. It was about the only time and place that Fatima allowed herself to laugh out loud in a sudden rush of warmth that she dared not describe as happiness. She would leap into the air, arms flailing, and whoop with delight. But then one night, a couple of girls followed her stealthily and watched her strange ritual. The, new, the story spread like wildfire. Fats indulges in some sort of witch's dance, calling spirits, dancing, prancing with them in the games field. And now there were two reliable witnesses to this bizarre ritual to prove this. And they did tell their story frequently and gladly. The stories soon reached the warden. The warden summoned, summoned the child and looked at the downturned, dark head. There was no grace, no flicker of softness, no feminine charm to this child. The warden thought as she drummed her fingertips together, not quite sure how to tackle this problem of this 12-year-old child. Being in charge of a host of orphans was not the easiest of jobs, but never in all her years did she have to handle such a bad apple. I'm afraid, Fatima, I have been hearing stories about you. Fatima lifted her head to look steadily just past the warden's right ear, as though a spider was hanging there. Knowing she shouldn't, the older woman turned her head to check. No, there was no spider or anything else. There wasn't, of course not. When she looked back at the girl's face, she was embarrassed by the brief look of triumph that flickered there. I need some explanation from you, my child. I'm not your child, screamed Fatima in her head. But she kept her gaze steadily and unflinchingly on the spot just behind the warden's ear. The woman rubbed her ear self-consciously, as though cooling it from that burning gaze. What exactly were you doing, young lady, out on the games field in the middle of the night? A million answers raced through Fatima's head. Her some witty, some smart, some downright rude, but running was all she said. And why, my dear, do you choose to run in the middle of the night? Don't you feel the games period is enough? No, 
the warden pursed her lips in astonishment at the abrupt instant reply. And why not? May I ask? Why do you feel it's not enough? No reply. Fatima just staring steadily at the spot behind the warden's ear. Hmm, asked the warden, uh, again involuntarily glancing over her shoulder. Answers whirled through Fatima's head. A part of her wanted to tell of her love for running, how it was the only time she felt free, really, really free. She wanted to tell of her love for solitude. She wanted so desperately, needed to tell of the pain she felt when the girls sniggered or the humiliation of them whispering. Shh, here comes facts to bite your tongue out of the boys who taunted her of being half boy and half girl. She had so much boiling up inside her. But she stood her ground and held her tongue, fighting back the tears that threatened to break loose and show the world that she was, after all, human. Instead, she stood still and silent, giving nothing away. Well, if you're not going to answer, then there's very little I can do to help, isn't it? asked the cold voice. There's very little you can do anyway, thought Fatima biting back the words. Very well then, the warden stood up, pulling self-consciously at her ear. If that's the attitude, you may go. Fatima turned on, on her heel immediately. But let me warn you, young lady, I do not tolerate my rules being broken. If I have any more complaints against you, I will suspend your game's outing altogether. Is that clear? Sometimes the only way to discipline a child is to threaten to withdraw a favorite privilege. Yes, ma'am. The, the voice was so quiet, so cold. You may go. Fatima strode towards the door and opened it when a softening in the warden's voice drew her up short. Fatima, if however, you ever need to talk to me about anything, uh, anything at all, you're always welcome to come to me, all right? Fatima nodded, hesitating. She looked back at the older woman. It was almost as if she was about to say something, but then she quickly stepped out and shut the door firmly behind her, hurrying away, burying her words and feelings. The warden looked out of her window. Fatima passed along the periphery of the field. A group of children laughed pointedly at the solitary figure as it slipped away. The warden knew the interview hadn't gone well. She wished she knew what to do with this closed, closed child. How to find the first window. Now that her nightly ritual had been forcefully Brought to a halt, Fatima had to make the most of the allotted games periods. She had never allowed herself to participate in anything, but now she stood on the outskirts of the action, watching her classmates through brooding eyes, wondering which game she should join, and more important, how would she join? Watch out, stupid! 
A scream broke into her thoughts. Suddenly she was conscious of people screaming at her. A flash of silver whistled past her face and she watched in shocked amazement as the wooden pole slithered to a halt just behind her. Almost in a trance, she bent down and picked up the pole, gingerly fingering the sharply pointed end. Are you all right? You're not hurt, are you? Mrs. Whitbread, the games teacher, grabbed the girl by the shoulders and turned her around. No, no, Fatima stuttered, still holding onto the pole. What an idiot you are, Fats, hissed a girl into her ear. What are you thinking of, witches? Hush, quiet, it's not your fault. Mrs. Whitbread quietened the other as she led Fatima away, arms still around her shoulder. It's not your fault, child, but you shouldn't stand here. If you want to watch, stand there in that corner. Here now, let me have the javelin. The teacher was surprised as the silent girl held on to it in a grip so tight that her knuckles had turned white. She didn't let go. They stood like that for a full silent minute, both holding the spiked instrument. Then the girl abruptly released it as though it had become red hot. Sorry, she said and walked away. During the next class, Mrs. Whitbread had the absurd feeling that there was someone following her and she caught sight of the slight frame of Fatima standing, staring. Margaret Whitbread called out, waved her over, but the girl was gone, speeding away like a frightened rabbit. It happened again in the next two classes. And then on the third, just when the games teacher had expected to see her standing in her usual corner, she was surprised that Fatima was nowhere in sight. Mrs. Whitbread shrugged off the terrible feeling of disappointment that was stealing over her and got back to training the children around. Being a former British international javelin thrower herself, she gave a lot of personal attention to that sport, although she was the general sports teacher. Just as she became absorbed in a promising young boy, a voice from behind startled her. All right, I'll join the javelin. Short, abrupt, to the point. She wasn't asking permission. She was stating her intention. It was, of course, Fatima. In spite of the abruptness, the teacher couldn't suppress a smile. And so it was that Fatima began to learn to throw the javelin. An hour later, the staff room was abuzz, everyone commiserating with Mrs. Whitebread. Poor you, now you've got the problem on your hands. I'll give it a shot. I feel she has talent. Oh, don't waste your optimism on her. There are better uh, candidates for that. Even the children were only too willing to consider the turn of events in the darkest possible way. It's all a part of her secret ritual, you know, throwing the lance, spearing unsuspecting victims. All of the sports there, isn't it strange that she chose the most medieval of them all? But Fatima turned her back on the gossip as she showed up for her first practice session. Mrs. Whitbread told her how to hold the, the javelin, 
how to poise herself. The eyebrows knitted together, Fatima's jaw pulsing, she looked and listened with keen interest. How to brace herself before the run, the grip, the run, the leaning back, and then, and then the throw. Fatima hopped on one leg, arm extended for balance, and the thrill shot through her as the javelin soared, zinging through the air, and landed with a perfect thwack. Steel tip buried snugly in the earth, pole vibrating with energy. She spun around, eyes shining. The teacher nodded, eyes shining too. It was a good, it was a good throw, not very far, but it was a great first start. The technique was right. Each child was given three throws before handing over the javelin to the next. As they waited, Fatima hopped from toe, from toe to toe. She could barely wait. Her hand shook in eager anticipation as she gripped the lance again. She shut her eyes momentarily, gathering her strength, reining in her thought. It did feel like she was taking part in a ritual. There was something mystical in the spear. When she started her run, the javelin became a part of her. And when it flew eagle light from her hand, it was as if her soul went with it, guiding it with soaring spirit ripping through the air, reaching for the sky before starting its descent. It was the longest throw that had ever been recorded in the school. Witchcraft, mumbled a boy who had had his turn before hers. Thrice his javelin had fouled, landing flat, skidding over the grass like a wounded snake. Fatima heard his her words. She bit down on her tongue. She began her run for the third time. This time, without the mental preparation, she was distracted, without the ritual. As she released the spear, a muscle jarred through her shoulder like an electric shock. She didn't need to know that the throw was no good. It was flat. The same boy sniggered as she passed him, and almost against her will, she lost control, Balling her hand into a fist, she flung a punch at him. He was down on the ground in an instant. The teacher was beside her, taking hold of her shoulders, pushing her gently and firmly away. No, Fatima, that's enough now. Stop. I said, stop it. Oh, I'm sick of it. The girl hissed with so much venom that Miss, Mrs. Whitbread was taken aback. Get him to the nurse's room and form his house warden. The teacher instructed some of the other students as she held on to Fatima. The boy wasn't badly hurt, just winded and humiliated, really. Sick, 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 spat the girl. Hush, now, shh, shh, quiet, soothed the teacher, hurrying Fatima away now. Fatima's face was flushed, her eyes blazing with rage. <coughs> the heat of anger emanated from her as she swallowed her, her anger and allowed herself to be led away. <coughs> Come, talk to me. The warden led her, the, the Mrs. Whitbread led her 
to a quiet room. No, I don't want any sweet talk. I don't want any motivational lectures. I don't have time for motivational lectures and <coughs> and <coughs> sorry. I don't have time for motivational lectures. I don't have time for sweet talk. I'm sitting here in this room and if you want to hear what I have to listen, what I have to say, you can come in. I'm here for five minutes and then I leave. Mrs. Whitbread waited, waited in the room, hoping against hope, praying that the girl would come in. And just when the five minutes were about to be up, the door opened, creaking unwillingly, just a crack. Come on in, Fatima. And there she was, glowering. Well, she demanded, what do we need to talk about? Why don't you shut the door and come and sit down? No, there's no need. This isn't going to take long. <laughs> As you like, Fatima. I was just wondering, would you like to take special javelin lessons? Say in the evenings. Why? Why what? Why should I want special javelin lessons? Well, two reasons, I think. One, I believe that you're very good. And number two, Margaret suppressed a smile. There was something so sweet in Fatima's belligerence. For reasons best known to yourself, Fatima, you don't seem to get on with other children. Anyway, that's not my concern, really. But maybe you would prefer to practice on your own. <laughs> with me, of course, if you don't mind. She laughed out loud. She saw the brief look of pleasure that flickered across the girl's face. All right, then. It's settled. I'll meet you this evening at five. As the teacher was out, almost out of the door, thank you, said a tiny voice. Mrs. Whitbread turned and smiled a little smile in silent acknowledgement, perhaps of a new bond. Later that night and for days later, Mrs. Whitbread came back to her family, to her sons, and talked so excitedly about her new prodigy, about the talent she had, about how amazing she was. And Fatima, too, was becoming obsessed. One evening, Mrs. Whitbread said, you know, Fatima, if you were at playing at the, uh, at the international level, you wouldn't have been allowed to compete. Why not? You're just five feet, four inches tall. There will be players, athletes, much taller than you, bigger than you, stronger. And you won't be able to compete with them. Fatima listened, cocking her, her head to one side. Mrs. Whitbread, I may not be tall, but I'll make myself stronger. I'll beat the competition at every international level. Mrs. Whitbread came home, goosebumps on her arm, and told her children and her husband about what had happened. Why don't we adopt her, said her son, with so, so much conviction, not malice. The older woman smiled, 
and looked at the rest of the family. And so it happened. Fatima, the problem child, the disruptive influence, at the age of 14, finally, finally got a family and got a surname to call her own. Fatima went on to live up to that name and make her newfound family proud to have her in their midst. And it's true, Fatima Whitbread went on to become an Olympic medalist and later in 1986, the World Championship, making five of the six longest throws in history, shattering the world record. Said she, I stood on the victory stand and listened while they played my national anthem. I was tired and my arm ached, but I had never felt better in my life. So this is a story that is published in my book, Like Smoke, which went on to win the Sahitya Academy Award for Children's Literature. I do hope you'll be able to uh, get this book and read it. I would love for you to read the other stories as well. This is my tribute to Fatima Whitbread, it's a true story, and also to the likes of Mar Margaret Whitbread, who inspire and break through the false armors that children sometimes build around themselves. Thank you for listening. इस हब हॉपर ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया। अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं, तो हब हॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें। यही नहीं, स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी, कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च